Come on, somebody. 6 p.m., are you good? Come on, come on. Good evening, good evening. Was worship good or was worship good? Come on, somebody. Shoo! Our worship team is on a whole nother level. And uh, just so you know, if you don't know, we're releasing an EP soon. Come on, praise Jesus. Come on, somebody. We've been releasing some new music and it is absolutely phenomenal. Check us out on all the streaming platforms. You don't wanna miss out. Come on. Hey, I also wanna honor our lead pastors. They are on leave, a well-deserved break. Come on, somebody. And um, they resting and we wanna honor them, thank them for leading us. And wanna honor Dita, come on. Tita preached a phenomenal message this morning. And uh, if, you don't, if you don't like mine, Go. I'm joking. <laughs> you can listen to his from this morning. Uh, and um, let's get into it. Hey, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for what you have already done. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what you're about to do in the hearts of everyone in this place, everyone online. God, we pray that you will speak through me today that I will be your vessel, your speaker, that your word will be amplified and it will not return void in Jesus' name. I pray that people will leave this place emboldened to go out into the world and share about you and who you are and how much you love us, God. We declare it right now in this place that you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We pray this in your mighty name and everyone said, Amen, amen. You guys can take your seats. Take your seats. We, are, we have started our brand new series called Dangerous Prayers. And um, I'm scared because <laughs> some of these prayers are dangerous. Um, can I tell you that I have, a, I have a thing that me and the Lord are busy working on. So when we're in worship and sometimes there's these songs that we sing that have these specific phrases like God break me or like, like purify me Jesus. And um, I sometimes am like, I don't think this is the season for me, for my breaking, so I'm just gonna not sing that part, just that little part, and because uh, uh, I, you never know, God might just take it literally, and uh, I'm like, hmm, we'll just pause. <laughs> but we're talking about dangerous prayers, and tonight I get the honor and privilege to share with you guys about the topic, God make me bold because I believe for more. That's the title for, for today's message. I'm believing for more for this community, for this city, and for this nation. And if I'm believing for more, God, make me bold. That's the prayer we're going to pray. That's the dangerous prayer we're going to pray because that is a dangerous prayer. So I'm going to do stuff a little different from this morning. I'm actually going to teach from the book of Nehemiah. He's one of my favorite peeps. Um, I love the guy. So we're going to go to Nehemiah 2, verse 1 to 7. If you're taking notes, which you should be, you never know. St. Pete might be there checking your notes when you get to heaven. Got to take the notes. So Nehemiah 2, verse 1 to 7, it goes, Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, Nisan, I guess that's where the car got the name from, hey. I'm just, during the 20th year of King uh, Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. 
Then Nehemiah replies like this, then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad for the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king said, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleased the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. So let me give you a little context to Nehemiah. Nehemiah was an exile. So he was living in, in, in the Nissan, in the, in the winter palace of King Xerxes. He was living in comfort. He was a servant to the king, but he was, his job position was cupbearer. But what that meant is what he was a trusted person. Because he was privy to conversations that other people weren't privy to. Because he had to be by the king's side. It means he was respectable. It means he was well-educated. It means he was living a relatively comfortable life. How many of us are living comfortable lives as Christians, you know? Or uh, living comfortable lives, praying comfortable prayers. God, will you bless the food in Jesus' name? Amen. God, will you please make there be no traffic on my way to work? Amen. Hallelujah. I receive. Comfortable prayers that don't really require much from God because, like I said, I, I was chatting to one of the leaders, small prayers actually don't require much from God because God gave us the ability to actually achieve them. The impossible, the impossible prayers that look impossible to you, that you can't fathom in your head, those are prayers that impress God. Those are prayers that impress God. And so, so many of us are living these nice, awesome, comfortable lives and we pray these comfortable prayers, uh, but we're too afraid to dare because, because we believe that there's not enough to spare. I, I, I'm too afraid to dare to serve, dare to give my time, dare to give my talent, dare to give my treasure because I'm busy. But as Christians, we're actually called to be bold. We're called for more. And the, the meaning of the word bold, and if you know me, I really like to, to in, I like words. And I like to really look up where words come from and what they mean. And so the word bold means to require or to exhibit courage, to be audacious, to overstep usual bounds, to dare. That's what it means to be bold. It means to dare. So many of us are too afraid to dare to step out of the usual bounds of our comfort. Our comfort. Nehemiah was comfortable in the winter palace. But guess what? Guess what? In, we're going to go back. So we were in Nehemiah 2. Now we're going to go to Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 1 says, Nehemiah 1 verse 4 says, When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and prayed to the God of the heavens. See, Nehemiah was comfortable where he was, but then his brother came back from Judah. His brother came back from Jerusalem, and he asked him, Hey, Hananiah, how you doing, bro? You good? How's it going back home? 
how's it going in my home city? Everyone's settling in well? Because some of the exiles had actually gone back to the, to the city of Jerusalem. And so Hananiah gave him the report back and said, things aren't going too well. And when he heard this, he sat down and he wept. For days he mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. See, I believe his boldness in chapter two, remember when he went up to the king, even though he was terrified, his boldness in chapter two was the fruit of his breakdown in chapter one. And that leads me to my first point. That leads me to my first prayer that we need to pray is, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And I believe that's, that's why Nehemiah prayed. That's why Nehemiah broke down because his heart broke for what broke God's heart. Because the people of Jerusalem were God's people. Jerusalem was God's nation. And they were in ruins. And God's heart was breaking. So Nehemiah's heart was breaking. When was the last time your heart broke for what broke God's? When was the last time you were burdened by a weight you couldn't shake? That Holy Spirit conviction that you just couldn't, wherever you went, in whatever conversation, you'd be driving and the, the nudging of the Holy Spirit would be poking at you because you, uh, you got a holy burden. And how do you know it's a holy burden? Because sometimes we get burdens that aren't holy. How do we know it's a holy burden? Because it causes us to pray to God. It causes us to pray to God. So how many of us have gotten a, a holy burden that causes us to pray to God and say, God, I need you. God, I wanna, I'm praying this big prayer. Break my heart for what breaks yours, God. And, and God, I, I, I pray for this holy burden that you've placed on my heart. I remember I was in high school and I prayed that prayer. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I, I remember I was at school and I was standing overlooking, uh, I was in Tableview High School and we have what we, we, we can see Table Mountain from, from our school. And as I was standing there, God just spoke to me and he said, listen, I want you to serve this nation. He put a holy burden on my heart for the nation. So wherever I walk, wherever I go, I have an aching in my heart. Whenever the things are going wrong in this nation, when people are hurting, when, when the country is, is going through terrible and hard times, my heart aches and breaks and I have no other choice but to pray to God. It's a holy Burden. It's a holy burden. And if we want to, if if we want to be bold, if we want to access the more that God has for this nation, for this people, for this city, then we need to be bold enough to pray, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Can I tell you, our greatest our greatest breakings lead to our greatest acts of boldness. Can I give you some examples? Look at Moses. Moses, he was a, he was a Israelite. 
living as an Egyptian. He saw the people, his people being burdened, being hurt, and he got a holy burden. He, got a, he reached a breaking point where he intervened for his people. And that led to him running away. But it also led to him freeing the Israelites. His greatest breaking led to his greatest act of boldness, where he stood in front of Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Look at David. David was just a little shepherd boy, and, and he was delivering sandwiches to his brothers. And he heard what Goliath was saying, and he couldn't stand it. He broke and he went to the giant and said, how dare you speak like that against the living God? And it led to his greatest act of boldness. Look at Peter. Peter denied Jesus. And a few days later, Jesus woke. And Peter was so ashamed he was broken. And Jesus encountered him in his brokenness. And it led to his greatest act of boldness when he stood on the day of Pentecost and he preached and 3,000 people got saved on that day. His greatest act of brokenness led to his greatest act of boldness. Can I tell you the, the, the greatest one? Look at Jesus. The greatest act of brokenness. He died on the cross for you and for me. And he made the greatest, most boldest statement and rose on the third day and said, Hey, I'm back and I'm here for my people. His greatest breaking led to his greatest act of boldness. Some of us need to say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Some of us, our hearts have never broken for what breaks God's heart. We need to pray. We need to ask him. And that's a dangerous prayer because it hurts. Trust me, I know. It hurts. But that leads me to my, to my second point, which is make me. If you're taking notes, my second point is make me. My first point was break me. My second point was make me. We need to pray, God, make me bold. We need to pray for the boldness of God. See, in Nehemiah 1 verse 4, he said, When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I prayed and I fasted. And then it says in Nehemiah 2 verse 2 to 4, Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed. And the king asked, How can I help you? And with a prayer... To the God of heaven, I replied. And I believe, I believe that prayer right there that he prayed, he was praying, God, make me bold enough to actually say what I need to say. God, help me in this moment to be bold enough to stand in front of this king to make this request. In, in, in Acts 4, there's the, there's the early group of Christians and they knew they knew about this. They knew about praying for boldness. They didn't always feel bold. But when the disciples came back in Acts 4, 
the disciples came back from the astonished authorities and they told the church the threats they received. See, in Acts 4, the disciples went and the apostles Peter, he was out there preaching, speaking, and they got arrested. And they actually shared the reason why they were doing what they're doing. That reason was Jesus. And they boldly stated it. And the authorities were astonished. And then they went back to their church, back to the people and told them that they'd been threatened. That if we ever say why we do what we do, that we would be thrown in jail and executed. And everyone understood this implication. It meant they would die. So they, they didn't hide, they didn't run away, they didn't stop. Guess what they did? They prayed for boldness. In Acts 4, 29 to 31, it says, And now, Lord, look upon the threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak, with, to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed, God, make me bold. And God did that. And God answered their prayer. Fear melted away and they received a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit and a renewed boldness. But boldness is not constant. Who knows that? Boldness is not constant. And nor should it be taken for granted. We gotta keep on praying for boldness. We need it. Even the apostle Paul experienced this. That's why he said to, to the Ephesians to pray for him. May to that, uh, sorry. That's why he answered the that's why he asked the Ephesians to pray that he may declare the gospel boldly as he ought to speak in Ephesians 6 verse 20. Boldness is not an option for us, but it's also not a given. Since it's not a constant gift, we must pray for it frequently. We must pray for it frequently. And boldness, can I explain to you, boldness is not the absence of fear. Boldness is the presence of my faith in God in the midst of fear. I can still be afraid, but if I've got my faith in God with me, then I can boldly step out for God. I can be bold at my workplace. I can be bold at my school. I can be bold in my university. I can be bold in my complex. I can be bold in this community, in this city, in this nation. In spite of my fear, I will choose to dare to overstep my usual bounds, my usual comfort for, the, for Christ's sake and for people's sake. For the gospel's sake, I I dare, I dare to be bold in the face of persecution, in the face of haters, in the face of people uh, debating with me, in the face of opposition. If I'm not bold, I forfeit the more that God has for me and the more that he wants to do through me. But please understand, 
that, that this is a dangerous prayer because with boldness comes opposition. With boldness comes opposition. I read an article and, and there's this girl, her name is Leah Sharibu. She's from Nigeria. In 2018, she was abducted by, by, by Boko Haram and she was taken and her and a group of girls were taken. And the group of girls were released except for her. Now you might be asking why except for her? Because there was a precondition to her release. She had to, she had to say she no longer believes in Jesus Christ. But she boldly stated, and, and when her friends were interviewed, they said, they remember hearing her say, I believe in Jesus over and over. Every time they asked her to recant, every time they asked her to stop saying, to, to, to be released, she had to, re, she had to relinquish Jesus. And she said, no. Can I tell you how old she was? She was 14 years old. How bold is that? How bold is that? In the face of opposition, a 14-year-old girl would say, I believe in Jesus. Whether you leave, whether you let me go or you don't let me go, I believe in Jesus. That's a bold statement. How many of us in the face of that opposition would we change and say, no, but I didn't mean it. I just said it to get out of there. But she stood firm and said, I believe in Jesus. She made a bold statement in the face of opposition. In South Sudan, which is a majority a Muslim country, there was a man, two men called Peter and Michael. Both of them were pastors and they were arrested and placed in a cell. Michael was placed in a cell so overcrowded with inmates that they had to sleep in shifts. How full does a cell need to be for you to sleep in shifts? When he tells the story, he doesn't complain. All he says is, it was the perfect evangelism opportunity. How bold is that? In the face of opposition, where you're in a majority Muslim country, you